if we all have enemies in our lives. So raise your hands, he says, if you have lots of enemies. And quite a few people raise their hands. Now raise your hands if you only have a few enemies. About half as many people raise their hand. Elisha's got enemies. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> See, says the pastor, most of us feel like we have enemies. Now raise your hands if you have no enemies at all. The old pastor looks around, right? And he looks around, and finally in the back, this really, really, really old guy raises his hand. And he stands up and he says, I have no enemies whatsoever. The pastor's amazed. He invites the guy out down to the front of the church. What a blessing, he says. And how old are you? I'm 98 years old and I have no enemies. The pastor says, what a wonderful Christian life you lead. And tell us all how that it is you have no enemies. The man replies, all the buggers have died. <laughs> so we've been talking about Christian relationships. How we live together as believers. How we are different in our relationships with each other. From the relationships the world has. Uh, we've talked about different kinds of love the last couple of weeks. We've talked about agape love. We've talked about how love is obedience, how Christ modeled love for us through sacrifice. We've also talked about how important it is to forgive one another from our hearts and what that means and what it looks like. And today we're going to take a look at what some perceive as one of the most challenging commands of Jesus, to love our enemies. So when I say love your enemy, I wonder if there's someone that comes to mind. That's probably the one that the Lord wants to work with you about right now. <laughs> so hold on to that in your mind for a moment. Um, <clears throat> imagine being those that are gathered around Jesus as he's teaching, right? As he's saying all these things and he says all these wonderful words, all these beatitudes, and everybody's feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden he says, love your enemy. Silence, right? Crickets, <laughs> some baby crying off in the distance. That's all you could hear from the crowd at that moment, maybe. Feels like an unfair and impossible command of Jesus, doesn't it? If we really think about it. We often judge things in our lives based on cultural norms or what would seem reasonable to the community around us for how we react to people. Anybody remember the code of Hammurabi? <laughs> eye for an eye, right? It was, it was direct justice. There are some cultures that follow that very much to the letter now. Um, sometimes if the world might be feeling particularly magnanimous, they might say, well, don't do any harm to anybody, just ignore them. But Jesus is saying, love them. Proactively do something. Don't just let it go by. Actually, with a verb, <laughs> do something to love your enemy. Last Sunday, we talked about 
the kind of love that was modeled by Jesus. I'm going to just remind us of that. It is sacrificially extending grace toward one another because that's what Jesus did. So as Christians, we don't really live to the standard of the culture. We're not supposed to, anyways. We are invited... We are, called, we are called to live to a different standard. It's the standard of living into the coming kingdom of Jesus. In the um, epistle lesson today, there's a comparison of bearing the image of the man of dust versus bearing the image of the man of heaven. We are born into bearing the image of the man of dust. It comes naturally to us to do that. Bearing the image of the man of heaven requires a changed heart, requires the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's what we're called to, is bearing that image. It's easy to bear the image of the man of dust, um, but bearing the image of the man of heaven, part of that is loving our enemies. So the command to love your enemies might feel a little bit like a sucker punch. Like, how are we really going to do that? Come on. You know, that's impossible. It might feel like a drudgery. Okay, Jesus, if you say so, I guess I'll try. <laughs> but we can actually be excited to know from Jesus exactly what the expectation from God is and to know that it is not an unempowered mandate. It's not something that we're asked to do in the strength of the man of dust. It is something that we are empowered to do because the Lord lives in us and we are empowered by his Holy Spirit to do this. When we engage in kingdom living and kingdom work like this, power from on high is released in our lives to be able to do this. We do not do it on our own. And this kind of love is what makes the church, the bride of Christ, stand out, gleaming with the light of Jesus. And people living to a different standard will be pretty much flabbergasted if we really engage this command the way Jesus intends it. So I want to kind of walk through this uh, gospel lesson with you today and break it down a little bit with the goal of encouraging us that um, it's a joy to obey the Lord even in a challenging command like this. But I tell you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your goods. Or give him, I just skipped a line, don't withhold your coat also. Give to everyone who asks you, and don't ask him who takes away your goods to give them back. As you would like others to do to you, do exactly to them. So Jesus begins this whole piece by saying, love your enemies. And he repeats it again in verse 35, if we didn't get it in the first verse, in verse 27. Love your enemies. And he gives concrete examples of how people might be our enemies and how we are to love them. Uh, do good to those who hate you. That's a tough one, right? Bless those who curse you. 
and pray for those who mistreat you. So there's that first set of three things that he says. And then there's a second set of three. And when Jesus groups it this way, it kind of gets us listening. Second set of three, to him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. To him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your coat also. And give to everyone who asks you, don't ask him who takes away your goods to give them back again. So these are all examples of kind of how Jesus is helping us to understand what he's talking about. The first set of three things that Jesus is talking about are hatred, cursing, and abuse against us. And then uh, the second set are pretty specific, striking you on the cheek, taking your coat, and taking goods. And what's really interesting about this, and you're like, where are you going with this, Pastor? Um, The word you is different in these examples. If you look at the original word for you, the you in the first set, in verses 27 and 28, when Jesus says um, to love, to do good, to bless, and to pray, he is speaking to you, the general you as the crowd that's there. That's the kind of you, okay? It's a broad you. And then when he says um, to turn the other cheek, to give to everyone who begs from us, Uh, In verses 29 and 30, the you is singular. It's like Jesus is pointing his finger at me and saying, you do this. So it's it's different. Uh, And then when we get to what we call the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, basically. Um, That you becomes plural again and is, is a broad you. So Jesus calls us to love. The word for love, your enemies here, is agape. Once again, agape. Um, Does it mean that we have to have warm, fuzzy feelings for those who mistreat us? No. (laughs) Right? But it does mean that we are called and commanded to act in ways that are to benefit the other person's welfare. You know, that could be doing something good for them. It could be praying for them. Um, <clears throat> any of those things. The other thing that I should point out here is that um, in loving our enemies, Jesus is not asking us to voluntarily submit ourselves to victimhood, abuse, or violence. You know, people come from all different backgrounds. They experience all different kinds of stuff in family of origin or in marriages or... Um, in in their growing up environments and things like that. And there are lots of places where people are not safe. And loving our enemies is not staying in an abusive situation in that respect. Um, Jesus goes on, verse 32, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners do the same. And... You know, Jesus is, is saying that we are to give good whether or not we have received good or bad. Okay? Um, we're not supposed to be motivated by debts or with the thought that this person can do something for me, so I'm going to do good things for them. You know, it's, we're supposed to be out there loving people whether they are our enemy or they are our friend in that respect. So... There's this sort of cycle of calculation of how we relate to people, and Jesus invites us to break that cycle 
by giving good wherever we are, by loving people wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Some also of what Jesus is talking about here is the way that we judge or write each other off. Uh, you know, we sometimes will judge other people's motivations or try to guess their intentions, and that always gets me into trouble. I don't know about you. Uh, <laughs> right? And usually, if I can calm myself down, I can realize that the other person's intention wasn't as bad as my mind was trying to make it be. <laughs> there have been emails that I have written and then sat on and then deleted in the morning. <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> and sometimes I'll write the email just for myself, just to get it out, and then I'll, with no intention of ever sending it. But uh, <clears throat> sometimes we write people off because they understand the Christian faith from a different point of view. You know, well, we might say, well, oh, they're Pentecostal, or they're way too liturgical, or whatever the case may be, or they aren't from around here. You know, we write each other off so easily, and even if we don't say it, we might think these things, and we're judging people in our hearts that way. And that's kind of bringing the man of dust to bear instead of the man of heaven to bear in our lives and our relationships. So our behaviors, our thoughts, and our attitudes here in the moment, in the physical, have eternal implications. God rewards us for loving our enemies. God rewards us for not engaging in the behavior of the man of dust. Give and it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be given to you. So not only do we receive enough, but we receive so much that it spills out to the others that are around us. For with the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. God will measure us for the kingdom with the same yardstick we use to measure other people. So God invites us into a relationship of releasing his holy blessing and his power and his forgiveness in our lives by living into the kingdom, by bearing the image of the man of heaven, by loving our enemies. Not because we feel good, because we are slightly better than the people around us. I had a history teacher that would often say, the bar you're setting for yourself is pretty low. It's more of a limbo contest than a high jump. <laughs> right? And we are invited into more than a high jump. We can't do it on our own. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. So, how can we actually do this? How do we put it into practice today, this afternoon, this week? We err on the side of mercy. We've received a lot of mercy. We need to show mercy. We need to be quick to forgive. We don't immediately judge a motive. Sleep on that email before we send it. <laughs> um, filter what we want to say through scripture rather than through what we might think is reasonable. Make sure it's not the man of dust making decisions for us. But the man of heaven. 
We try not to seek revenge, try to break the cycle of retaliation, leave that kind of justice to God. And finally, pray for them. Right? That's not a, oh, well, I'm just going to pray for them. Prayer is powerful. Prayer releases things in the heavenlies. Prayer allows God to get in there and to move and to work in relationships in amazing and wonderful ways. Uh, when I was uh, much younger, I was working as a minister of music at a church. And there were two sopranos that simply could not get along. <laughs> they both felt threatened by the other's presence. One of them had been in the choir for a really long time, and she owned all the solos. Whenever there was a soprano solo, she was the one that, that had to do it. And uh, then a new soprano came into the choir. He was younger and was also a very good musician. And rather than come together, it was like war in the choir. <laughs> I gotta tell you, <laughs> the drama that went down, whew, I lost sleep over it. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. <laughs> and um, long story short, these two became fast friends. They learned how to forgive each other. They learned that there was a lot of misunderstanding going on between them. They learned how to love each other. And they ended up going out to lunch together and doing things together. And, and um, the younger one was helping the older one. And she was nearing her time when she would go to be with the Lord, which is where she is now. Um, but it was wonderful to see how when we love those who we have a really challenging time with, it enables the Holy Spirit to repair relationship and to bless the relationship in ways that create bonds that are much tighter than anything the world would have to offer. And when we can put away the man of dust and bring in the man of heaven into these relationships, will absolutely change the lives of those involved and change our relationship with the Lord and with one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us these commands. Thank you for not telling us to do these things and then leaving us with no help. Lord, that, uh, that person that's our enemy that we're thinking about, or maybe there's a few people Maybe they're our enemy because they've done really horrible things to us. Maybe they're our enemy because we feel threatened by them. Lord, whatever the reason is, we pray, God, that we would entrust justice to you. You would enable us to forgive. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to love them in concrete ways. Give us wisdom, inspire us with ideas, and Lord, rather than it being a drudgery, let us be excited to follow what you're asking because we know that when we do, your blessing is going to be released rather than cursing in our lives. Lord, where we fall short, 
and the man of dust tries to rear his head. Lord, may we be the bearer of the image of the man of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen.